Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray. Lord, it is our joy to join the angelic chorus in the heavenly realm, singing praise to you, our God. We also recognize that you're here with us. And Lord, your promise is that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. And so, Lord, now, as we turn to your word, we pray in the presence of your Holy Spirit that you would do work of everlasting consequence in our lives. Transform us by the renewing of our minds to make us more like Jesus Christ. For it is in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. At First Baptist Church, we try to be a place where faith and life meet. We believe that faith has got to be more than just theory. Faith has got to be more than just theology. In fact, one of the most, one of my favorite things that I can say about anybody at their funeral service is that for this individual, his or her faith was more than just a belief system that they espoused more than just some sort of theoretical, ethereal reality to which they gave some sort of allegiance, but know that their faith was the foundation of who they are. For those of us who have been called to trust and follow Jesus, for those of us who have surrendered our lives to trust and follow Jesus, we've repented of our sin and we've said, Lord, you are our God, and there is no other. Jesus doesn't call us to have a faith that informs a portion of our lives, but rather a faith that is the bedrock of our lives, that it is the foundation upon which we build everything else, and everything we do and everything we are springs from that foundation. And not only does it spring from that foundation, but it's empowered by the Holy Spirit who gives us that foundation. So we want to be a place where faith and life meet. And we want to be a body of people who go out into the community where faith and life meets in front of people and and makes their worlds better. Yesterday in this room, we celebrated a life of one of our members who did that very thing. We had the memorial service for Dr. Jeff Blackerby, and many of you who are in this room no, Dr. Blackerby. Many of you who are, who are listening to this broadcast in whatever means you might be using to listen to it, you know Dr. Blackerby because I think just about everybody came through that pediatrician's office when they were little kids here in Bowling Green. I know I did. I know my wife did. And uh, the impact that Jeff and Libby Blackerby have been able to have in this community is profound. But the impact that they've been able to have in this church is profound. Several years ago, they gave me a gift, a token from the old sanctuary that burned uh, in 1991. It was two of the bricks from that sanctuary, that white limestone, and they had been shaped into bookends, and those bookends are still in my office. I looked at them this morning, and every time I look at those bookends, I smile. I smile because I think about all the saints who in the 205-year history of our church have gone before us, the people that labored and prayed that that building might even be built, 
all the many moments of life that took place in that building. And then when tragedy struck on Columbus Day in 1991 and that building was destroyed by fire, the people who came together to get everything out as much as they could to ensure that First Baptist Church could continue being the church here at the corner of 12th and Chestnut where faith and life meet, where real people come into contact with a real God and real work of eternal consequence happens. But not only do I smile because I think about all our forebears, I, I think about Dr. and Mrs. Blackerby. And I think about their impact in our church and their impact in our community. I think about the number of hard moments Dr. Blackerby walked into where he had to share with parents that their child was sick. The number of hard moments that Dr. Blackerby walked into where he took all of his preparation and all of his study and all of the things that God had poured into him, and he said, Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit, let me use these gifts for your glory and their good. And he did. I'm looking around a room filled with physicians and healthcare providers in our community who do that same thing day after day after day. And I want you to know we're so thankful for you. But that's what the faith has to be. You know, if I preach your funeral, I don't want to have to tack faith on as some sort of, well, we think he believed. Well, he got baptized when he was six. I know he's 97 now, but we're going to rely on something that happened 91 years ago and hope that it took. I don't want to say that about you at your funeral. And I certainly don't want anybody to say that about me at my funeral. No, I want the story of my life and the story of your life to be that Jesus Christ was that individual's Lord and Savior, and everything they did illustrated that. The decisions that they made, the lives that they lived, the songs that they sang, everything about this individual poured forth the message that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's the sort of life that changes the world. That's the sort of life that leaves an impact that people talk about not only days later, but decades later. We're going to talk about Daniel today, yet again, because 2,600 years ago, Daniel lived his life by his faith in Almighty God. And that wasn't some sort of addition, addendum to his life. That wasn't, that wasn't some sort of, I hope I get to heaven in the end. No, his faith informed everything about him. It informed the decisions that he made, and it informed the stands that he took. Well, we've seen him take stands already over the past several weeks. We're going to see him take another one today. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 6. And if you're in the room, the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 743. Page 743, we are going to look at Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 28, which is the entire chapter. And I want to give you this theme today. God's way isn't always easy. Be filled with faith even when life gets hard. God's way isn't always easy. Be filled with faith even when life gets hard. 
The Holy Spirit tells us, beginning in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Our first point today is this. Faith in God can make you a target of persecution. Faith in God can make you a target of persecution God's hand of blessing is often evidenced in people's lives by the way that they are a blessing to others. I mean, think about it, throughout the course of biblical history. Think about Joseph. You remember Joseph? God's hand of blessing was on Joseph there in Genesis. And he was the second to the youngest of all the brothers, but God had raised him up. And God was going to use him to do amazing things. Literally, God used Joseph to feed the known world during a famine. God was going to raise him up and use him, and the, the evidence of God's hand of blessing on his life was that that blessing poured forth to other people. Think about David, the little shepherd boy who was known as a man after God's own heart. And Joseph wasn't perfect. David wasn't perfect. But you think about how God raised up David, and what did God do through David? Well, God established the kingdom in a beautiful way. I've been to the city of David there that stretches like a finger below the old city of Jerusalem. Many of you are going there with me in 2024. And you're going to get to see the foundations that David established. And from this place, God established his worship, his reign. And one day there'll be a new Jerusalem where we will worship our Lord forevermore. But how did God bless David? Well, he blessed him to a degree that God's blessings poured forth from David to others. That's what's happening through Daniel. You think about the life of Jesus. Jesus, who is God in flesh, who is, who is God's Messiah, who has come to redeem us. God's blessing was obviously on him. And, and how was that expressed? It was expressed as blessing to others. Everybody that got around Jesus who was willing to receive it. They lived in his blessing. And I look around this room and I see a lot of people who've been blessed in a lot of ways. And I'll tell you what I love about being the pastor of a church where faith and life meet. 
You don't just let that blessing stagnate in you. Thank you for that. You allow God's blessing on you to become God's blessing through you to make our community a better place. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what's happening with Daniel. Why did these other high officials who now had to report to Daniel not like Daniel? Well, they didn't like him because King Darius had noticed that there was an excellent spirit in him. Who notices that the Holy Spirit is in you? And so God raised him up, but you got to know this too, that when God raises people up, the ungodly will respond by not liking it. And so what's happening here? God is raising up Daniel. God has blessed Daniel. God is going to bless people through Daniel. But there are ungodly people who don't like that. And so what do they do? They come against Daniel. It's the same story. Joseph, again, God was blessing him. God was raising him up. Who came against him? His own brothers. And then a bunch of other people as he lived out his faith within various contexts, and none of them were easy. Because God's hand of blessing resulted in blessing to others, but it also resulted in opposition. Same thing happened with David. God raised up David. Who got mad about that? King Saul got mad about that. What did he seek to do? He sought to kill David. Why? Because God's hand of blessing had raised David up to be a blessing to others, and that, that brought about opposition. What's happening with Daniel? Same thing. What happened with Jesus? God raised him up to be a blessing. And the religious leaders turned and came against him. And as you walk down the Mount of Olives, the path that Jesus took on Palm Sunday, you can hear the crowds in your mind singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you can also hear ringing similarly, crucify him. When God raises people up and blesses them so that they might be a blessing to others, that's going to that's gonna bring about the opposition of the ungodly. That's a pattern that's all throughout Scripture. It's what's happening here. And so, beware, there is a thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and he hates everything that God is and everything that God does. In fact, Peter warns us in 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 8, saying, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. If you're going to trust and follow Jesus, that's you. If you're going to allow God to bless you with his grace by trusting and following Jesus, you're going to see opposition come against you. If you're going to live out your faith in a way that makes the world a better place, you say, why would anybody oppose that? Because Satan hates God and everything that God does. And so if you're going to allow the grace of God, which comes from God alone, to fill you and overflow from you, Satan hates that and hates you and wants to destroy the work of God in your life. So recognize that opposition's gonna come. That doesn't make us special when we get opposed. That makes us Christians. That's, that's, that's part of the story of what it means to trust and follow Jesus. That's part of the story of what it means to be the people of God. Because remember, we have to make a choice. Will we do what God wants, or will we bow to the culture? Which one? Daniel said, I'm gonna do what God wants. 
We'll see that happen now. Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, let me read that first line again. This was not a surprise to Daniel. Here we go. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to, get to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Our second point. Living out the faith leads to tension in a fallen world. Living out the faith leads to tension in a fallen world. Daniel, again, was faced with a decision. Do I obey God or do I obey the king? And Daniel made his decision. Once he knew that the decision had been made, the injunction had been signed, what did he do? He went to his room and he did what he had been doing. He opened his windows toward Jerusalem and he bowed down and he prayed. Why? Because it doesn't matter who the king is, God is always God. And so Daniel did what Daniel had been doing this entire time that he was one of the exiles from Judah. Daniel prayed to his God, facing Jerusalem, the land from which he had been taken, where, where God had said, this is where worship of me shall happen. And he did it openly because he was not ashamed of his God. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed to worship Almighty God. I am not ashamed to serve him. I am not ashamed to pray to him, and I really don't care who sees it because I know that my God is God and the king keeps changing. I know that my God is God and the culture keeps changing. I know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and a new wind will blow, and a new fad will take hold, and a new moment will arise, but my God 
he always stands. And so no matter who the king is, no matter what the injunction is, no matter what the pressure is, no matter what the consequence is, I'm going to worship my king. I'm going to serve my Lord. I'm going to pray to my God. Now, if I can do that within the context of this paradigm in which I stand, absolutely. I will be your best citizen, king. I will be the best you have in the kingdom. And that came true. But when the moment comes that you call me to defy my God in service to you, that's a line I won't cross. And that's what Daniel said. He said, I'll be the best one you got. But when you make me choose between God and you, I'm choosing God every time. And I don't care what the consequences are. That's the way we're called to live today. We'll be the best citizens you got. We will allow God's blessing in us to overflow His blessing to you. But there's a point. When you tell me that what I got to do to be a part of your organization, your country, your whatever, when that crosses the line and calls me to defy my God, I'm going to become your biggest problem. Darius loved Daniel. He didn't want to see Daniel get hurt. He didn't want to throw Daniel into the lion's den. But this became a problem because Daniel refused to serve anybody over and above his God. And Darius didn't want to put him in there. But Darius had made a stand. Daniel made his stand. And now we're going to see where the chips fall. So let's pick up at verse 19. Then, at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish, the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall, shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Our third and final point is this. God's way always works out better in the end. God's way always works out better in the end. Daniel trusted God. Daniel took a stand for his God. The consequence was grim. The consequence of Daniel's stand was certain death, throwing him into the lion's den. But you know, our God is not bound by anything. 
And so our God was able to make those lions Daniel's friends. I imagine when the king called out to him, he was running his fingers through the lion's mane, petting it just like you would a cat, a big cat, but a cat. And then what happened to his accusers? Well, they were thrown in, and those same lions, bloodthirsty lions, destroyed his accusers even before they reached the bottom of the den. Our God is able, and our God reigns. You know, for all of us who trust and follow Jesus, that's the truth to which we can cling throughout life. Because we know that Romans 8, 28 is true, that God is actively working all things together for good to those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Does that mean that everything is good? No. Does that mean that everything is easy? No. But our God is able to take even the things that aren't good and aren't easy, and He's able to work them together for good to us, we who have been called according to His purpose and who have surrendered our lives to Him. Just as God was able to deliver Daniel from the lion's den, so is He able to deliver His people from anything. Now, I know what's on your mind right now, because it's on my mind too. Well, what about those people for whom it doesn't work out that way? What about those situations in which God doesn't miraculously intervene to save their lives in the moment? What about them? How can you say that, that it, God's way worked out better for them? Well, here's, here's what we know. We know that in Jesus Christ, this world is not all there is. And I'm going to tell you something. There are people who faced remarkably difficult circumstances, and God didn't spare their lives in the moment, but they're in glory right now, and they're doing just fine. They're doing just fine. And when we look back from glory over the landscape of this life, which is a whisper, a, a, a moment, a blade of grass, a fading flower, as we, as we look back over this life, what we're going to see is that even when God didn't answer our prayers the way we wanted Him to answer them in the moment, He was still working all things together for good to those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. That's the perspective that we have as those who trust and follow Jesus. That's the perspective that anybody can have if they will repent of sin to trust and follow Jesus Christ as Lord. If you're like me, you can be guilty of becoming trapped in this world, severely myopic to what you see before you, and, and you can forget that this is just a, this is a whisper. And in the context of an eternity that stretches out without end before us, a glory to be revealed in us that cannot be compared to the suffering we have to endure now, then we can say with utter assurance that if you trust and follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and you surrender yourself to God's way, it will absolutely work out better in the end, no matter how bumpy the ride gets along the way. Why? Because right now our God is doing things you cannot now perceive. Daniel could not perceive when he was being thrown into the den of lions that God was going to shut their mouths. He just knew that he trusted his God and God would work it out one way or another. And he did. He did. And our God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, if you trust and follow Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, he will. He's working on it right now.
said, I can't see it. That's okay. He can. And that's enough. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.